Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Burnt Cookbook Party, an original Pathfinder campaign set in a unique fantasy world where four heroes of varying skills, attractiveness, and stupidity race against time itself to prevent a war. I'm Jenna Stieber, and I play Astra Blep, a fey-addled half-elf oracle who is exactly who she says she is, and I'm joined by... Andrew Hansen, playing Johnny Brightchild, a hot and sunny Ifrit resort spa paladin, eager to help and flex. I'm Caitlin Statehar, playing Patty Hertz, a rat folk ranger dandy with a nose for gossip and cheese. I'm Paul Lukemeyer, I play Zelf, who's an elven battle chef carving a name for himself in the high-stakes world of magical cooking. And we are, of course, led today and the rest of all time by our illustrious DM and world builder, Justin Green. Justin, how are you today? I'm feeling fine today. And by that, I mean <laughs> small. 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 Great. I can't wait to see how that energy plays out in this episode we're about to record. (laughs) It's the morning of Idia's 16th, only a few short hours of sleep after your dinner party concluded, and you and the other remaining Shadow and Cadets have just arrived at Fort Frawley which is located about an hour west by train from Fort Advin, your usual base of operations. Frawley was built by the Rescarians during the Great War, and was originally called Fort Shatterfoot after the illustrious dwarven general that Johnny served under. It's in even worse disrepair than Fort Advin. At least with Advin, Archmage Ventori had made an effort to upgrade the training grounds or furnish a library, just generally prepare it for people to be living on the premises again. But it's clear no one has stepped foot in here since the war ended. You're here because it's located right outside of Waypoint, a small commuter city that acts as a transit hub, so all five of the train lines meet here. There's not a lot of people that call Waypoint home unless they work for the Triad Train Company, but it's still constantly bustling with people who are just passing through. Feels like a strategic military point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Like, if you look at the map, Waypoint is like the sole connection to New Haven. And that's exactly why you're here. The island of New Haven is centrally located between all three of the Triad Nations, Aroja is a bit farther away just due to how far it's sunk into the ocean at this point. If you're not traveling by boat, the only other way in is to cross the sea by train from Waypoint. So I think you told us this before, but we're at Fort Frawley and we're going to New Haven, but New Haven's a war zone. So Fort Frawley is the staging point. 
and then we're going to infiltrate. Is that right? That's correct. Love it. Love to infiltrate. Super good at stealth. Am I? We're all great at stealth. <laughs> stealth and perception. Does scampering count? Is that an infiltration technique? I think scampering counts. As long as it's quiet scampering. Yeah, none of that loud, raucous scampering. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, what do I remember about Fort Frawley from the war? I guess I would have been on the Rescarian side back in the day. It was built by the Rescarians, but it is within Berwyn. Right, ah. At the end of the first year of the war, the Rescarians had finally gotten the upper hand and had even pushed Berwyn's border back, claiming what would eventually become the Waypoint area. They built the fort here on the edge of that new territory. Eventually, things didn't go so well for them, but... At that stage, things are great. Yeah. <laughs> this is all stuff that's going through Johnny's head as he's like, Fort Frawley, like, I kind of remember it. Is Johnny not thinking at all about the time loop? <laughs> I really <laughs> thought we would crack this shit open with everybody's impressions oh, or emotional reactions to the fact that we're in a deadly time loop and have been for years. Is Johnny just like Marshall Focus? Yes. <laughs> Lost in his reminiscence. Like, well, obviously there's nothing I can do about the time loop because it keeps looping. <laughs> so I just got to focus on like what I know, which is fighting. Okay. <laughs> I am super, super curious how Patty and Zelfer, where they're at emotionally with this. <sighs> yeah. So Zelf is naturally a skeptic, which synergizes with his inspector class stuff. So he's going to at first just leaf through the journal and you to look for clues that this is real and not just the drunken, addled ramblings of a drunken maniac. Can I make some kind of a investigation type of check on it? You know, maybe taste the pages? <laughs> You're specifically wanting to get a gauge of whether this is like sound logic? Well, the only tangible proof is this journal. So he's just trying to get some confidence in the whole story. Hmm. Probably the first thing he hears when Astra confronts the team is, you know, his eyebrow arches and he says, a time loop. (laughs) You ruined my party for a time loop. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I think the party went great, so I don't know what to say. (laughs) I'm kind of a manic uh, energy right now. I'm probably not a great representation of what I've read in this journal. So yeah, if you want to lick it or do whatever you do inspection wise. To this journal that an old man has had his hands all over, go for it. I am immune to ingested poisons. (laughs) (laughs) He says he's licking it. I'm not worried about poison. I'm worried about you getting some sort of disease. Actually, I thought the party was pretty great. Was that not a good party? Like, I don't know. I kind of felt like I was able to do a lot of things I wasn't normally allowed to do at a stuffy. I wouldn't really call those parties. I liked it, Patty. Thank you for putting it together. There's a time loop. (laughs) Patty's feeling a little tender about all of her hard work getting destroyed for the party. But she sees this as an opportunity. Okay. Patty is an optimist, guys. I love that this is further driving Astra insane. This is my fault as both a player and as the character for assuming that the rest of you would be concerned about the time loop and not a party, a meal. Patty's not concerned about the time loop. I mean, you know, maybe hmm. this is a way to, to right wrongs of the past and oh, create a God. better future for all of us. Wow. Patty's kind of stoked about it, honestly. Whoa. Patty, that's like a 
stoic philosophy. There's a church, <laughs> bodacious. Like, this is all what they're about. When we go to New Haven, you should totally check it out. I think you'll like it. That's really nice of you, but like, I don't want to go to church. I mean, what? it's not really my scene. <laughs> Zelf, please just lick the journal. Justin, should I make some kind of check? I want to give you something, Paul, but I'm not really sure what. I'm not sure this is something that you can verify just based on a role. I mean, you can verify certain things, like this was written by Vavil for sure. Like, you can verify his handwriting, or you can verify that this is actual astronomy notes in there. But I don't know if you can verify, like, yes, the time loop exists, other than just (laughs) trusting the journal. Okay, that's fine. Pavel said that. The first class did some kind of spell to place it outside of time. Can I make an arcana check to get a sense that there is some kind of mysterious magic? Absolutely. And this is something that you can just take 20 on. You are definitely able to determine that the journal is enchanted. And more importantly, you find the ritual itself written inside. Oh, cool. It will take time to learn it, but it's there for you to attempt to cast in the future. Hell yeah. Oh, sweet. You also find entries detailing two other attempts to cast the ritual aside from on the journal. So there was one attempt where they tried to cast it on Bavel. <laughs> However, it didn't work and it ended up turning him into an old man. A couple of the people who were attempting to help cast it turned old. Some of them turned into Aww. babies. <laughs> oh, no. Babification. They think that it can be done, that the ritual can be cast on a person and work similar to the journal. However, they didn't do it well or they weren't strong enough. Um, and so that was like a backlash from failing to do it correctly Ooh. more than anything. Okay. So later, Glorahan's squad gets possession of the journal. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few times that someone other than Bavel is is taking notes in here. Oh. Glorahan casts the ritual onto her bedroom in Fainalin. Oh. Two or three months after New Haven. Abraham is the only person who's still alive from the squad. And at that point, he is one boy. Sad. He stays in the room as time resets and he keeps his memories, his equipment, his haircut, any other variations stick around. But also a second Abraham appears, reverted back to a blank slate in his <laughs> own home where he normally starts the loop. Oh. Cool. At the end of this new loop, Abraham doesn't make it back to Glorahan's room. And this time, both boys reset, waking up next to each other with no memory of why there are now two of them. Oh, my God. Okay, huh. so that's how it happened. Okay. All right, we should definitely not find <laughs> that room or that building. And I can't imagine from a character standpoint or a podcasting standpoint, the nightmare of having two of them. It would be so cute, though. (laughs) So many rats. bad. (laughs) You don't want time doppelganger characters? I mean, I would love to explore that, but... So when Zelf is satisfied with his perusal, he'll clap the book closed, and he says, So the first loop mentioned in this book is only the first loop that Bavel's aware of. It could have looped yeah. hundreds or thousands of times before. Yes, Zelf. <laughs> and the only loop that is different for us is this one, because he randomly chose us to be on this team. So our only chance to change time for the greater good is this one. Oh, shit. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, Zelf. Oh, you've made it so much worse. Zelf, having, you know, skimmed randomly through the book, uh, didn't pick up everything, says, 
what was going on with you and Glorahan at that party? You kept telling her that, you know, nothing's more important than living. Yeah, I mean, that's true, isn't it? Gotcha there. Well, let me ask this differently. <laughs> if time loops, then it doesn't really matter. We're assuming any changes we make this time are going to stick if we also find a way to end the loop. Zelf, she dies in every loop. Not everybody dies in every loop. Glorhan seems to die in every single loop. That feels like it's important, but maybe it's not, except the DM did say it to me pretty importantly, so I don't know. <laughs> is it the same way every time, or is it a different way, but it always happens? So he's usually not there. Yeah. So this is the other thing that you should know. So Bavel, while he's in New Haven, he hears about a piece of meteorite and he is very interested to get his hands on it because Bavel is convinced that the meteorite is a sign from the gods, specifically the god Hibdal, who's mm-hmm. like the god of chaos. He's also like a, a god of space and a god of travel. He believes that this is possibly related to this asteroid belt that's shown up. And he believes that Hibdal is calling him to become a demigod, just like the demigods were called during the Rescuerous War. Like the, the gods are trying to intervene on whatever this time loop is, and he has been chosen, and increasingly he believes so. <laughs> As this goes on, it just becomes kind of an obsession for him. So most of the time during the invasion of New Haven, he's trying to get a hold of that meteorite. And then following that, if he survives, you know, he's trying to return the meteorite to the rest of the asteroid and become a god. And nine times out of ten, that's the last you hear of him. Uh, And then time starts to loop again. My friends, I have two thoughts. One is that the thing Bavel tried to do every time never worked. And he always tried to get this meteor. I think we should focus on trying to change something that has never been able to be changed in these loops. Maybe we should save Glorahan. Nah. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, you know, like, if it's her destiny to die, I mean, like... Maybe she's just, she's going to die at a completely different time. Exactly, Johnny. We've got to focus on making sure that we remember and survive this time loop. I think that has to be our priority. And if you think going to the meteor is going to do that, then let's do that. But that doesn't mean that Glorhan shouldn't try to live every day like it was her last, because <laughs> it has been her last so many times. That's what I'm saying. Like, no one ever really knows what's going to happen. Only we do, because we have a book that tells us the future. Well, like, he, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, we got to write it down, because we're not in the journal. I think we should all take notes, so that the next person has a voice in the journal other than just Bavel's. Esther, why are you making that face? I hate journaling. But yeah, no, I've got pen, i got paper, i got, yeah, I'll get, we can all write our feelings can, down. I mostly just draw. No, that's fine, you can doodle. I'll draw what I look like right now. The other thing we could do is try to piece out this ritual, cast it on ourselves, but we'll need time for that. You're not putting it on me. The ritual isn't going to work if we do it on ourselves. (laughs) I don't think that we are more competent than the people who originally did the spell is the problem. Zelf, maybe you disagree. You're a very good chef. Uh, Zelf's plan is to learn the ritual so that he can create a second journal. That way he can stay in the know through the loops. Okay, that feels like a good thing for Zelf to focus on. Astra can help with that because she is also a magic user, so maybe that's something we can both work on. Hey! Hey! Other than that, my instinct is meteor? Patty just wants to do whatever her friends want to do. Oh, Patty. (laughs) We're all in this together. Johnny is more focused on the New Haven mission, and so he's like, 
I don't know, the opportunity to try and save everyone is really cool and really important. So, like, I do want to try and save, like, as many people as possible. The meteor is in New Haven, right? So a part of the meteor is in New Haven, but the bulk of it is in uh, a Riscarian town called Nantarum. Oh. So maybe we can, like, double up here and do our New Haven mission with a little eye, a beady little eye, looking out <laughs> for the meteor piece. Yeah. Wait, does, so does the journal actually give us an impression of where the meteor is at? Or is it, Bavel just literally never found it, right? Oh, no, Bavel gets it. So there is a young dwarf from Nantrum that is trying to sell it in the black markets. At a certain point, Bavel becomes disinterested in helping people because it's just going to reset anyway. Hmm. So generally, he goes to New Haven. He kills the kid who's trying to sell the meteorite and takes Holy it. Holy cow. Uh, and then okay. leaves. <laughs> Harsh. But every time he goes to reconnect it to the meteor that hit Nantrum, that loop ends. Amazing. Hmm. Well, I mean, there's a blueprint for us. Maybe we should do our New Haven mission and then meet up with Bavel on his way to Nantarim. Because it sounds like he gets it no problem. Yeah. Should we reach out to Bavel? Because we could maybe coordinate him going to Nantarim and getting the bulk of the meteor and us getting the other piece and joining up. Yeah, I think we should get the one in New Haven. I also am good in black markets. So. <gasps> That's true. Your black market expertise <laughs> is finally going to come in handy. Are these scenarios mutually exclusive? Does getting the meteorite piece mean that we can't save any of our other team members who are doomed to die miserably in the war if we don't help them? I think the only way we could actually complete the mission and get the meteorite is splitting the party, so I am <laughs> against it. Yeah, yeah, against splitting the party. I think we should stick to New Haven and try and find it in there. Okay, so we're agreed we're all going to abandon our mission secretly. And allow our teammates to die, probably, uh, while we seek this other side quest. Is that, are we all agreed? I don't really consider those people my teammates. Good attitude, Patty. I would call them <laughs> acquaintances. What? All right, that's a yes from Patty. Zelf? What? I'm torn. Ooh, what are you torn? What's happening? How can we stitch you back up? If I was doomed to die in every time loop, I would want somebody to save me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like everything's going to make a difference. I think one of the problems might be that Flaskforge started trying to selectively save people. And the reason why he is where he is right now is because he stopped caring. I think we have to be like true to ourselves. Okay, Johnny wants to split the party. Zelf, which, who, are, who are you with? Which party are you going with? If there's a chance to save them and complete both, that's always what I'm going to go for. Let's plan to find the meteorite and then see how things look once we get to the situation. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, that's a good idea, Zelf, Astra says with a big wink. Yeah, we'll do that. Here <laughs> first. And then if there's time, we'll do the rest of it. Does Zelf have enough time to piece together the ritual to cast it on something before they get to New Haven? Or will this take weeks? No, yeah. It's yeah. going to take some time to learn it. <laughs> okay. and it's going to take some time to cast it. It'll probably take a full <laughs> day to cast it. You're good, but you're not that good. He's going <laughs> to work on learning the ritual then. Are we going back to Shadow End after New Haven? 
If all goes well, yes. That means if we don't all die. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like, uh, what a statement. And after New Haven? Well, I don't know. It's up to you if you yeah, right. go back. Zelt doesn't want to take Nanny to a war zone, so he's trying to decide where to leave him. I think Waypoint is probably the best thing. Oh. So. Nanny. <laughs> daycare. Nanny daycare. They're going to have to board him. <laughs> so he's going to leave Nanny with some vague instructions to live as fully as he can. <laughs> Leave no regrets. I'll pick you up once we're done with the war. So once you guys are inside Fort Frawley, you find that the commanders that are present are Taft Warsaw and Bentaro Valentine. Everybody else has already went into New Haven, and they are specifically here kind of manning the home front. Taft and Bentaro have this bizarre, odd couple energy to their co-leadership that shouldn't work, but it kind of does Seeing them stand next to each other is almost comical, but at the same time, they balance each other out perfectly. Taft is kind of on point, speaking to everybody, organizing them, giving the squads their missions before they go into the city. Taft and Bentaro kind of step away from the others to approach you guys. Taft says, you know, I'm so excited that you guys are ready and willing to help. I guess we just aren't really sure what to do with you guys necessarily. You know, Bavel, he's already went over there. And, you know, everybody, they kind of have their own specific thing, right? And you guys are kind of like all doing your own thing. So Bentaro and I were talking and, you know, we're just like not really sure what you guys would be good at. (laughs) Nothing. That's a fair question. <laughs> but I know that you can do whatever you set your mind to. Are you benching us, bro? Maybe you can double up with one of the others. My squad is going to hit an erosion base that's been set up in the New Haven Grand Hotel. Obviously, my guys are tough enough to do the job, but uh, they're not the most subtle. I'm worried about collateral damage and the civilian staff. Bentaro sort of nods and offers his own suggestion. Mistborn Squad will be investigating why two of my cadets went dark last night while undercover as Winter Guard soldiers. Her squad's great at staying in the shadows, but look at them. They've got no heavy hitters if things go sideways. Otherwise, I guess you could follow in the footsteps of your commander and do nothing. It's so funny that you say that because, hey, come here. Lean in real close. Bavel actually gave us a secret mission that you guys don't know about that uh, it's up to us to take care of. So we actually already have our orders, which is probably why you can't even conceive of what we would be doing over there. <laughs> uh, Taft? <laughs> Make a bluff. Make a bluff. <laughs> He's not difficult to fool, but... <laughs> I'm super good at bluffing. And I'm going to roll for Bentaro. Hey. Oh, I killed it. I rolled a 15. That's a 25 total. I'm very good at lying. <laughs> very, very good. That was barely a lie, Justin. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was very believable. <laughs> Taft Warsaw, he nods. He gets very, very serious. Right, right. I understand. Absolutely. He says, you know, getting into New Haven, it's going to be really dangerous. Erosia's Navy has the seaways blocked, and the trains obviously aren't running, so crossing by foot is the only option. The Rip Bridge is going to be your first hurdle. The Winter Guard and the Royal Army have been going at it non-stop there for days. Luckily, Sorona's squad has discovered these. And he shows you an overhead sketch of the Rip Bridge, where small pathways along edges have been drawn in. And Bentaro continues, 
scaffolding that runs the length of the underside of the bridge, long abandoned after the original construction project. Unfortunately, they're gnome-sized and old as shit, but if you're careful, you should be able to enter the city unnoticed. Did my bluff check work on him too, Justin? Or <laughs> Bantaro, you've trained with him a lot, and he is one of the best liars out there, so <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. Okay, it's probably fine. <laughs> I mean, Pavel did hand us a letter and say, deliver this to my friend, so that's I'm, exactly. 100% true. Barely yeah. lying. It's the true truth. We have a mission <laughs> of a sort that is not what we're going to be doing, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys want to make any preparations before you actually enter New Haven? Just meal prep. <laughs> meal prep. <laughs> An army marches on its stomach. I march on exactly. pause. <laughs> As you guys are kind of just doing your last minute preparations before you head off to the bridge, Johnny, you hear a dwarf behind you in the fort, like down a ways, yell out to you. He goes, hey, bright child, over here. Huh? I quickly run over because, you know, dwarves, Buscarian, that's probably somebody I know. The dwarf keeps walking as you hey. run to catch up with him. He kind of turns the corner. What's up? He's just at a brisk pace. He goes... Man, Brightchild, did you hear that they're going to call the Doom Weapon in? Like, they're actually going to use the Doom Weapon. Can you believe that? The Doom Weapon? The like, demi- the evil robot demigod. Right. They're going to send him into Berwyn. <laughs> Can you believe it? Like, Rescarian's doing that? Yeah, yeah. That- Rune Fury agreed to this. Didn't that already happen? No, man. It, it's hit Erosia, but it hasn't hit anywhere in Berwyn. Johnny looks around real quick. Does he see, like, Rescarian flags? You see that he is wearing a Rescarian soldier's uniform that is from when Rescarus was its own kingdom. So it's it's yeah. an old war uniform from the Great War, similar to what you had would have worn at the, that time. Soldier, I address him smartly and say, what is the name of this fort? Fort Shatterfoot, Johnny. You, you were here when we founded it. Are you feeling okay? And Johnny kind of like rubs his head a little bit where the scar should be. He's like, no... I think, um, I think something's off, man. Like, so you said they're using the Doom weapon. They gotta do what they gotta do, but I just don't really think it's gonna end the way they think it's gonna, you know? Like, this sort of escalation is just gonna make things get worse. And he says kind of absently. The soldier kind of leans into you and he goes, I heard that Archmage Luthara, she is also against this. If you think that there's a chance that we could get out of this before they use the weapon. Like if we could get out safely without being called traitors and, you know, killed by the orcs. Wait, like Archmage Luthara is still around? Luthara, she's like down the hall, man. Whoa, bro. Yeah, we should go talk to her. We shouldn't interrupt. Like she's in there with General Shatterfoot, but I mean, we can, we can like try to listen in. Oh man, Shatterfoot. No, 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 dude, we can just go and talk. And Shatterfoot and I are tight. Like we, we did all this other stuff back at Arrow Peak. It's totally going to be fine. The dwarf doesn't seem like totally into this, but he goes along with you and goes over to a room tucked away in the back of the fort. And you do hear whispering voices between Luthara and Shatterfoot. The general and I are kind of friends as far as Johnny knows. And and he's excited to see Luthara. So he's going to throw open the door and it's like, hey, what's up, guys? Like the craziest thing just happened. So I think this has all happened before. Isn't this nuts? <laughs> Just busts into a meeting doing this. <laughs> Johnny, despite the fact that you were hearing two people having a conversation, when you enter the room, the only person who's there 
is Luthara. But when you look at her, her face is almost like a shadow. She's almost entirely a shadow. You can't quite make out her features. Whoa. Luthara, are you doing this again too? Astra, Johnny has just barged in to where you were getting oh. your stuff together. And he, he's walked directly up to you and addressed you as Luthara. And said all of what he just said directly to you. <laughs> um, Johnny, do you have a little heat stroke? So, like, what happened? Like, Luthara, I heard... As- I'm Astra. I kn- we just met, so it's uh, fine. <laughs> what happened during the Five Claws of Dromath, Luthara? We needed you. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to help. Like, what happened? Yeah, that's a great question that I'm really not prepared to answer. Johnny? Johnny, are you okay? Uh, Astra's gonna, like, clap in his face a little bit. Johnny! uh. (laughs) Johnny, as if snapped out of kind of a fugue stake, you are uh, again in the present. Your soldier friend isn't there, and standing in front of you is Astra, blip. I immediately sit down. Like, my feet have just completely turned to rubber or something. And I start holding my head a little bit where that cool scar is above my eye. And I am kind of pretty addled and confused. Uh, Astra will go, there, there, kiddo, and cast Cure Light Wounds, the, <laughs> the lowest level healing spell she has. <laughs> cure Heat Stroke. <laughs> I want to remind all of you yeah. that Johnny is shimmering in the heat. It's just how he is. Yeah, he doesn't sweat. He shimmers. Uh, maybe slight motion sickness from the train ride. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I feel like I've ridden trains before. Yeah, you're having a moment. Yeah, you're kind of like an old man, though, right? Guys, this is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Time loops are crazy. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're finally here with us, Johnny, in more ways than one. (laughs) I'm glad Zelf strolled up to deliver that quip. (laughs) (laughs) Does Zelf have anything on hand that would work for heat strokes, like something with electrolytes? Oh, bro. (laughs) My body is craving those. <laughs> like, you know, you hand Johnny a power drink. A fantasy energy drink, yeah. A <laughs> blue potion. Yeah. <laughs> Man, thank you. Thank you, Zelf. Johnny, who were you just talking to other than Astra? It wasn't me. Uh, maybe it's because we were just talking about time loops. I don't know. But I really could have sworn. I thought I was back at Fort Shatterfoot. They call it Fort Frowley now. But when I was there, we called it Fort Shatterfoot after the general. Ouch. And I was, uh, this friend was talking to me about that they were getting ready to use the doom weapon on Berwin. Justin, is this known history that there was some kind of doom weapon, doom weapon? that was used in the war? I love the name doom weapon. Yeah. Make a history check. You have a decent history, right, Paul? I would love to, yeah. While I make this, Zelf is going to look over at Astra like, is this guy actually crazy? <laughs> We're all young, Johnny. None of us remembered what happened in the war. <laughs> oh. We love hearing about your stories, Grandpa, though. It's real fun. <laughs> Justin, I got a 16. During the war, eight demigods were called. One for each of the gods in the Pantheon, except for the god Lunas, who is the neutral evil god, the trickster god. 
and one of them is the doom weapon it's this giant towering 60 foot construct it's basically like a living weapon of mass destruction it's a voltron justin we know <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> it's a goddamn. <laughs> at the very end of the war there was a military operation called the five claws of dromath where rescris and Goldor, the combined forces attacked five of berwin's most prominent cities in one go at the same time the Doom <laughs> weapon was used and completely obliterated a city that once existed called Olfadel in the south, which is now just ruins. Archmage Luthara was in charge of the attack on Fainalin and was never seen again. And so it's like, oh man, General Shatterfoot's here, Archmage Luthara's here, and like these are people like I know and like trust, and like so because I have all these memories with them, and like so I just like threw open the door and I was like, dudes. It's just me. No Archmage Lothario over here. <laughs> and I was kind of bummed because I feel like things would have happened differently if she hadn't disappeared. Ah, you're saying you wish you could change things, huh? I don't really feel like we needed to use the Doom weapon. Like, I feel like that was kind of a bad call. Johnny, do you have flashbacks often? I do sometimes have trouble remembering exactly all the things that have happened in the war and like sometimes you know like i'll have dreams but like this is all different most of the time i actually have trouble remembering the war so like this is kind of strange in itself it's like kind of something i've been trying not to think about quite honestly johnny you don't have to worry the war's over there's a new war now <laughs> <laughs> Astra pulls open her journal and writes down that either Johnny is having some memory issues or it's a time loop or it's some weird other magic bullshit. And then she draws like five question marks. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. At the end of the last episode when I was talking about how it feels like you're all experiencing a completely different party. We all gonna have fucking five journals and all of them are going to but yeah, like, to be honest, self, I don't really remember how the war ended for me. Uh, most of the time, Orem kind of fill in the gaps for me. Are you nervous going out on your own without them? No, no, no. I've done plenty of things without them. Like, uh, there was this one time I met a sphinx. <laughs> <laughs> Are you nervous going back into action in a war zone? I am kind of nervous, like, that a lot of the um, shadows in... People aren't quite ready for what they're going to see because like, I don't know, Wintergar is pretty strong. They're pretty good at what they do. They're pretty brutal. Like people question if they were human. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Just throw that out casually. (laughs) Well, just, I mean, like, not like a human supremacy thing, but just like, you know, like mortal, like maybe they were constructs or undead, all sorts of rumors. Well, time to go to New Haven. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. (laughs) While that conversation is happening, Patty, you're approached in secret by Harville Glass Cannon. He is the teen emo human boy (laughs) who you know has been secretly snogging Glorahan in various places. Uh, and who also has been uh, <laughs> taken to Shadowin to kind of hide from the erosions who who want to capture him. He has been benched. You, you're well aware that he is not allowed to go to New Haven, even in disguise as a cleric as part of Cassian's squad as they normally keep him. Um, he's just forced to stay here with Taft and with Bantaro. 
and Manny. Harville goes to you, Patty, and he says, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but I know that you used to be in raid uh, and that you did a lot of things that maybe were against the law, but you were doing it for the right reasons, right? Very true. Very true, Harville. Maybe you can help me get into New Haven. I want to be there to help Glorahan's squad. Like, none of them are combatants, but, you know, I'm really good in a fight. Like, I've got my fire magic, my ice magic. You know, I can really hit hard, and I know that I can help them out a lot. You know, I don't want them to be out there by themselves. So, do you think you could help get me in there? Harville, I really admire your dedication to your teammates, to your comrades, to your brothers at arms. <laughs> and if there's one thing that I'm good at... It's helping people live up to their fullest potential and defy expectations that others put on them. I would love to help you sneak into New Haven. <laughs> that is awesome, Patty. I'll make it up to you. Whatever you want, I'll get it for you. I, I'm so thankful. Thank you so much. What are we going to do? How are you going to get me in? So horrible. I, I'm looking in. You have a distinctive look. Let's, let's just say that. I'm thinking that maybe what we need... As a little makeover. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Patty, I, I, I'm in your hands. Whatever you think. Oh, awesome. Okay. So what first thing that we're going to do is we're going to find some supplies. We're going to figure out a whole new look for you. I'm thinking maybe, mm, let's see, maybe blonde with some like colorful streaks and some feathers braided into your hair. That could be really fun. I'm thinking like uh, some new accessories. I mean, I have this beret and you can't wear this, but maybe we can get a hat for you too. And, and some some jewelry. Oh my gosh, you're going to look amazing. It's like, you know, black is kind of my signature, uh, but I, I guess you're right. I, I am trying to hide. It is chic. I mean, I understand that. It's slimming. It looks good on everybody. You got to branch out a little bit if you want to live your best life. <laughs> I'll do it, Patty. I'll, I'll braid feathers in my hair. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So Patty would like to do a movie makeover montage. Amazing. Patty has a disguise kit, right? Can we use that to come up with some creative new <laughs> feather hair accessories for my new friend Harville? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, after a lot of work that feels much shorter because it's a montage... Uh, he tries on some outfits, you give him a thumbs up. He tries on other outfits, you give him a thumbs down. Spins around. <laughs> he walks in to the closet, turns around, he comes out, he's wearing something completely different. There's some sort of like snappy pop music that somehow you're singing playing over this whole thing. We're just keeping our priorities straight while we're on the brink of war and also space and time crumbling around us. We're going to pick out new outfits, guys. What is a montage if not a time war? <laughs> uh, yeah, but at the end of this montage, Harville looks almost completely unrecognizable. You have indeed made him blonde no longer as he have his jet black dyed hair kind of swooped over <laughs> his face. Pulled that back. He, you know, he has a nice pretty eyes and you've really highlighted it with this haircut with the little feathers. Uh, makes him look soft. Uh, there's a glow about him. He is for sure no longer Harville Glass Cannon. What will you call him? Baby Angel. Because that's what he looks like. <laughs> baby Angel? First name Baby. Last name. Last name Angel. Is that, is that Baby Angel? <laughs> oh my god, guys, it's Baby Angel. It's my favorite. 
<sighs> At the designated time, the four of you, plus Harvel in disguise, meet at the edge of the city, and in front of you is the Rit Bridge, which is this miles and miles long bridge. It has train tracks across it going into the city. Bantaro stops you for a second, Patty, and he points over at Baby, and he says, Who's with you there, Patty? Don't worry about it. That's just my friend, Baby Angel. <laughs> He's a great guy, super talented, super capable. He's going to be fine. Make a bluff check, Caitlin. <laughs> Can I oh, do anything to help this happen? Absolutely. Uh, you can roll bluff as well to do eight another. Yes. Uh, I got a 20 on my bluff skill check. Nice. And mine was a 12. Great. Astro will pull him aside and say, yes, it's the baby angel. Please don't make a big fuss. We know that this is real sudden addition to the team. But, you know, when you're this famous, you know, you don't get told no. He's trying to keep a low profile. Come on. I feel like I've heard of baby angel. Who hasn't? <laughs> Bentaro looks at you, Astra, and says, I'm sure that baby angel will be indispensable on your special mission given to you by Bobble Flaskforge. <laughs> yep. That's the situation. Thank you. The Rit Bridge into New Haven, it is an architectural masterpiece. It, it is beautiful. It sits about 40 feet above the water. The scaffolding is not the best. It's weak in places. You have to leap over a couple holes, uh, faulty areas. But overall, you're able to get through with minimal issue. You hear above you through the entire trip just the sounds of battle. Like, up on the bridge, the Winter Guard and Berwin's royal army are going head-to-head. Every once in a while, like, a, a body falls off the side past you down into the water. <laughs> but overall, you guys make it through without any sort of issue. Along the way, make a perception check. Oh, oh! I rolled a, a one for a total of a zero. On oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled really well. I got a, a dirty 20. Dirty 20. Uh, I also rolled really well. With all of my bonuses, it's a total of 29. Oh, Zelf, yeah. And I rolled a respectable 16. You guys are on the scaffolding. It's on like the outside edge of the bridge. And when you look further towards the center of it, hanging upside down underneath, is just this humongous bat, like four times the size uh, of like a grown human adult. But it's asleep. It's hanging upside down asleep. Its wings curled around it. It is not bothered by what's going on above it or by you guys passing. But you do see that it is horrifying and it is there. <laughs> that was going to be my question was whether it was cute or not. And it sounds like <laughs> it is not cute. Asleep, it's almost cute. You, you can kind of be like, you know, if I look away from, like, the blood-stained mouth and, like, its crooked <laughs> teeth, like, hanging out. It could be cute. That could be juice. Uh, do we need to sneak by it, or is it, it's just... Yeah, it doesn't seem to be bothered by the war happening above it. It is very sleepy. So I feel like as, as long as we don't, like, directly knock it off of its little roost, we should probably be fine. Yeah, that's, that's a good call. After about a half an hour crossing the bridge, you guys make it into New Haven. Yeah, yeah. As I kind of talked about previously in the flashback episodes, New Haven, the island, is fairly small, 
but it's highly populated. And so they've just built up and up and up and up buildings on top of buildings on top of buildings. So there's not a normal size building here. It's all skyscrapers. There's like levels. So you guys come in. There are things built below you and above you. And you guys see that the streets are patrolled by Winter Guard soldiers. There doesn't seem to be any conflict here in this north area at all, like right past the bridge. So most of the army that's coming in through the bridge from Berwyn is being held back by Winter Guard closer to the middle. So this area is kind of conflict-free and has a lot of erosion soldiers milling about. (laughs) Justin, do we know where the black market area is? Yes, Patty does know that the black market runs the entire length of the city just underground. <laughs> so there are several points okay. in each of like these three separate districts where you can enter, but you have to know a code. Mm. What are the chances that Bavel has already killed the guy and taken the meteor before we even got to the city? You know from the journal that normally he waits in the black market until tomorrow, essentially, and kills him t- in the morning tomorrow. So it sounds like we need to get after it if we're going to beat him there. I think we should find Bavel and talk to him and let him know that we read his journal. He's not going to be happy, but that's fine. He should split off and go get the majority of the meteorite from Nantarum. And we should get the black market piece that's here since we're already here. And then we should meet up in route somewhere to, to combine the pieces. That's my instinct on what we should be doing. I like that plan. For some reason... I thought that's what he... I like that plan, and I thought that's what he was already doing. So I apologize. I like that plan so much, I thought that that was his plan. My understanding from his journal is that he's tried to do that in his past, but that his journal always ends before he completes the pieces. I'm taking a leap of faith that it's a time issue and not another horrifying magic thing issue. (laughs) (laughs) We're delegating now. I like it. Do we have a sense from the journal or do we know where Bavel was going in the city? He goes to the black market and pretty much hangs out there. Okay. Mm. Is there a specific like pub that he stays at or is it not that detailed? With the war going on, there's not a lot of like safe havens even in the black market he really is you know staying on the street uh being a survivalist so maybe we need to start like asking around if anyone has seen someone matching his description yeah i guess we just go to one of the entry points where we give the password to go to the black market yeah i think finding a password to the black market which i assume justin is not in the journal (laughs) no it's not in the journal and Uh. it's constantly changing so Patty knows from the past that usually it's printed in, like, New Haven's newspapers, but it requires the cipher ring that she has to actually know the real password. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Patty would know that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something that she's done many, many times in the past. Patty spent some time in the black market, guys and gals. (laughs) Buying bombs. Dropping bombs. <laughs> Astra has a newfound <laughs> moment of respect, and then you mention buying bombs, and uh, that respect disappears into terror. <laughs> <laughs> They're for the common good. Jeez. Uh, wow, Patty, you're, you're hard. Okay. Uh, but you got the ring, right? We can just like get a newspaper and find the password. That's the plan. I got it. Okay. Let's find a newspaper. St- How are newspapers sold in New Haven? (laughs) So you're going to have an issue of just getting around. 
number one. Mm. However you want to get around without being noticed and talk to people, I'll leave that up to you guys. But you'll probably have to make some sort of check to appease me. Why didn't we bring <laughs> Manny and just make him run all these errands for us? Oh, hey, Manny, he's got a good heart, but he's not reliable. I'm, I'm leaning towards just trying to be sneaky. Uh, what are um, what are Zelf and Johnny's stealth situations <laughs> like? Mine's decent. I get a plus seven. Oh, damn. Okay. Johnny is super not sneaky. <laughs> Unfortunately. I'm not supposed to draw attention to myself? Oh, no. <laughs> this is like that nightmare where I don't know the answers to that test. I guess, like, I could go to my friends at Church Bodacious. Like, I feel like they would take us in. I bet yeah. any of the members of the Church of Gavlin would be willing to help us in this situation. And unless the Winter Guard has raised those temples to the ground, I think we'll be okay. Johnny, I told you I didn't want to go to church. Jeez. <laughs> also, <laughs> is it like Kabbalah? Is it cool church? <laughs> <laughs> we could disguise ourselves as clergy people. And I think that would probably give us a little freedom of movement. Oh, that's fun. Or maybe they already have a newspaper on them. It's kind of hard because a lot of the members are probably gnomes. But I bet like if you were wearing oh. the habits of church bodacious, very few people would question it because it's a church that's a pillar of the community. I don't know if we can have two makeover montages in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> On that topic, is Baby Angel coming with us for all of this? As you guys start to go about your plan, Harvel takes your hands, Patty, and clasps and says, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to protect Gloria Han. We'll see you guys after this. Good luck, Harvel. And if anyone asks how you got in here, it wasn't me, okay? Great, cool. See you on the other side. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so you see Harvel run off with Glorhan and her squad. Bye, baby angel. I mean, they're all going to die, but let's not focus on it too much. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to the church. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, and then once Patty has the entryway to the black market, then we're underground and we're good. And we don't have to worry as much. So maybe we just head towards the church and kind of like keep our eyes and ears open so that we don't stumble into some situation that's going to slow us down. So we're going to have to do a little sneaking regardless. Oh, yeah, we'll be sneaking. Justin, do you want us to roll some shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roll uh, stealth or disguise or whatever fits your particular hmm. uh, method of sneaking. Somebody should disguise Johnny. I can try to disguise Johnny. Do I have any disguise spells? Boy, that would have been a handy thing to take. <laughs> yeah. I was For just infiltrating <laughs> a city. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I have done my stealth skill check. I have a 29, Fantastic. but it then says I get a bonus <laughs> in urban terrain. That Hell would yeah. apply to this. So as long as you're in the city, your stealth is better. So yes, I rolled a 29. So I'm real stealthy. Damn, Patty. Where'd you go? It's because she's a commando. Uh, I rolled a 19 on my disguise. Zelf, I think you might be able to get uh, your competitive bonus for the first time. Watching Patty sneak. (laughs) (laughs) Jealous of my sneaking skills. (laughs) Zelf's inner inferiority complex uh, would give him a plus one for a total of 16 on stealth. What does Zelf's competitive streak look like? He isn't consciously aware of his inferiority complex, so he just... Sees how good Patty is at being stealthy. Is inspired by spite. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess he just gets 
a real tense look on his face uh, and gets hyper-focused on his own stealthing, which is not at all imitative of what Patty's doing. <laughs> so you guys are able to stay under cover, don't have any issues getting through, kind of keep to the edge of New Haven's coast uh, on the lowest level. Eventually, you make your way around to the southern coast where you find Church Bodacious. Church Bodacious is indeed a, a pillar of the community, and now it literally is because it is holding up so many things that have been built on top of it since last you've been here, Johnny. Amazing. Whoa. But otherwise, it looks exactly like it looked when you hung the symbol of Gavilan up on the wall. A lot of the gnomes, much older, still recognize you when you come in. Aww. Hey, what's up, bodacious <laughs> brothers? It's great to see you! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the entire group of you are welcomed by the gnomes warmly. They sit you down. They get you something to drink. They immediately ask Johnny to tell them stories, kind of sit, like, <laughs> cross-legged around him. Oh, yeah, totally my bros. But first, like, my other bro here, Patty, like, she totally needs, like, a newspaper. The thing is, guys, we're here on a really important mission. And, like, after that, I'll tell you some stories. Promise. They say yes, <laughs> yes. And then after an hour or two, the gnomes that went out into the city return and... They approach Patty Hertz, holding out a newspaper. Patty's going to excitedly take it in her sweet little pink paws. And she's ready. <laughs> she's going to do the cipher ring. She's excited. This, she's in her element. She's nervous to not be able to decode correctly in front of her new friends. But that's okay. She's going to do her very best. It's today's paper, right? Yeah, it's a current newspaper. <laughs> Self always the practical one. No, you know. You better believe he's like questioning your every motive after he's been showed up by you. He's like, it's the right paper, isn't it? Can't you that do sneaky it? Sneaky bitch. <laughs> you set to work with your cipher ring, Patty. Your ring has a bunch of symbols on it matching to something that you find printed very small. Most people wouldn't even notice it. It's an ad for like a strange hippie shop hidden within the ad for this like little bookshop oddities store is the cipher code for the black market. And after spending a bit of time, you are able to correctly decipher it to be the word heartbreak. Write that in the journal. Yeah. Smart. Does Astra recognize this little bookshop? Indeed, Astra, you know oh. that this is a, a shop that carries your own work of literature or your instructional guide, <laughs> which is not fiction in any way. Uh, Astra prepares emotionally to have that conversation with her co-mates here. <laughs> I was going to say, did we know that Astra was a published author? <laughs> I mean, I'll say, my printing press is taking up a lot of our living room. You guys knew I printed stuff. I think Astra has subtly and cleverly avoided answering any questions about it. <laughs> there are multiple entrances that Patty is aware of to the black market, some very, very close to where you are now, within a half mile. To make it to the church you guys had dressed up as missionaries, is that the same thing that you want to continue doing as you enter the black market? That feels like a bad choice. I don't know if I want to go to a black market dressed as a missionary. Yeah. She's in her element in the black market, so I think it's beneficial for her to be as, as mm -hmm. her true self. So, you know, she might have some friends there that could help us out. 
does Patty think we should all be wearing cute berets in order to match her or be in her squad? Patty always thinks everyone should be wearing <laughs> cute berets. All right. Nothing builds team cohesiveness like outfits, matching outfits. Oh my God. How will people know that we're on a team if we don't match? <laughs> <laughs> do you have berets for us, or do we need to go on a shopping no, trip? No, you're on them? your own to get your own berets. What? <laughs> I'm not subsidizing <laughs> your berets. What if we clash? <laughs> Just disappointment if yours is wrong. So the entrance to the black market nearest to the church is this unassuming kind of shuttered storefront. It looks like many others under the erosion occupation, but inside... There is no merchant. It's just kind of a large empty room. And towards the back behind like a curtain is this black market ruffian who's standing guard. He has like a newsboy cap pulled low over his eyes. As you guys approach, he kind of looks you up and down. He says nothing uh, and just sort of waits for you guys to interact with him. I feel like you perfectly described the hired muscle and Batman the animated series. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the vibe. Johnny's like, I've never been in one of these before. A store? A store? Uh just the black market. Okay. okay. I've never been in a fake store before. I don't think we're in the black market yet. I think we're still that stage has not yet been set by Justin. Johnny, there is something that you recognize. You don't even have to make a perception check. Sitting next to the ruffian is a cage that has three little purple moles. And you recognize these as Resgrace moles. They are used by dwarves in Resgrace for mining and exploring. And during the Great War, they were kind of used as scouts during underground battles of the sort. And you know that they're trainable. You can teach them to burrow in certain directions or deliver messages. The one downside is that when they get frightened, they turn to stone as a defense mechanism. Permanently? Just for like a day. (laughs) Like possum style. That's awesome. Are they edible? They'd be really nuts if they could only do it once and then they just die. <laughs> Disposable <laughs> scouts. That would be wild. Yeah. Patty, this is your show. This has got to be Patty, yeah. yeah. Do I recognize yeah. him at all or is he a stranger to me? This particular boy is a stranger, but you've seen his type before for sure. So I'm thinking Patty's going to kind of sidle up to him and she's going to scope him out a little bit and she's going to be like, Oh, uh, hello, friend. It's a... Uh, Good to see you down here. These days are tough. There can be a lot of a lot of heartbreak, right? <laughs> <laughs> the gnome nods. He says, seems like hearts are always breaking in New Haven these days. And he scooches out of the way and makes space for you to walk through a door that kind of leads towards stairs that are spiraling downwards. Guys, see how easy that was when you have Patty on your team? <laughs> it's so cool. You can just stroll in. Yeah, let's keep this going. <laughs> this is like two steps more dodgy than Astra has ever managed. So she's like really excited <laughs> to be getting into it. Thank you for listening to Burnt Cookbook Party. Hey, did you know we have a Twitter account? 
at BCB Party, I posted a beautiful rendering of a map of Irisol that GM Justin made. It's the same one we referenced early in this episode. Following that account is a great way of seeing like useful, interesting background content like that when we drop it. We also have an email, bcbparty at gmail.com. So if you have any questions or like just nice things to say to us, you can do it there. And also, did you know, by the way, that something like 40% of listeners discover new podcasts by searching the directory of their listening app? Uh, well, we're still a new podcast trying to find our audience. So if you happen to use Apple Podcast or Spotify, it would be really great of you to leave a review and a five-star rating so that people can find us a little bit easier. Kind of help us, help us surf that algorithm a little bit higher. Burnt Cookbook Party is Andrew Hansen as Johnny Brightchild, Caitlin Stadahar as Patty Hertz, Paul Lukemeyer as Zelf, me, Jenna Stieber, as Astroblep, and Justin Green as DM and World Builder, executive produced by Jenna Stieber. This episode has music by Jenna Stieber and was edited by Justin Green. Thank you for listening. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.